God, the power of remembering. Why would God want us to remember? First of all, that, the, 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 that prefix, R-E, comes from the English word meaning back or again. And so, in an idea, when you see the, that, that prefix, R-E, you are looking back, revisiting something, it's to do over or to, or to start again. And so today we're going to talk about the importance, and not just the, the, the general sense of importance, but I believe a biblical and spiritual importance of remembering why it's essential for us to remember, why would God want us to remember. Again, not just the, not just life stuff, um, and, and those are great, and, and we are created to remember, but mainly we're going to focus in a little bit on spiritual stuff, things God did, right? Things God said. Times when God made Himself real to me. And why we need to remember. And why that's a biblical concept that we will see as we unpack today. Sometimes we need to pause and remember because it helps us to rekindle things in our heart, right? Um, there are a lot of times when I've done marital counseling and you meet with married married people that are maybe at an impasse and I always think it's kind of funny when you hear the idea and I'm, this is not a marriage thing, this is the, this is not a marriage message, but I just think it's interesting when 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 somebody well two people get a divorce and they and, and, and they use that phrase irreconcilable differences. You guys are familiar with that? Irreconcilable differences. And I'm like, yeah. There's going to be differences that are irreconcilable for our whole married life, right, married people? I mean, th- 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 there are times when you will have differences that maybe you cannot reconcile. And I, there are times when I've sat with married couples and, and, and there's this idea to help them to rem- remember why you got married. Remember what you loved about that because it helps them to kindle that love and to say, oh yeah, they weren't, they weren't like this all along and there's some issues going on. And here's what I love about them and it helps to look back and to remember again why you love that person, to rekindle the flame in our hearts. And I believe it's very important for us to do that spiritually and rekindle the love that we have for Christ and remember our first love. And that's what Jesus in, in Revelation, when he's speaking to the church at Ephesus, said, remember your first love. Go back to why you did what you did. And you know, you're, you're kind of going through the motions now. It's easy to get in a rut and kind of go through. And even in our spiritual life, it's just to kind of walk and be moral. And to walk in morality. And we forget that we should be driven by God's love and His love for us in the relationship to rekindle that. So it's good to have memories. Let's, 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 let's take a little trip down memory lane here for the next slide. Um, Okay, that's that's the scene and I, uh, on the left. If you were wondering, we haven't changed a bit. Don't you love eras of hairdos and different styles? And you know, you think back and you look back at old pictures and you think, what were we thinking? But it was the thing then, right? Look at the one of the other me in the middle, who had a leisure suit. Come on, leisure suit people. Breaking out the leisure suit, that, that powder blue, kind of bluish leisure suit. Of course, I felt like that I was ahead of my time because I wore a t-shirt with a suit coat, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, my brother's shirt looks like some uh, curtains that they cut and I made a shirt out of. I wasn't sure what was going on there, but 
you know, some memories you look back and you're like, you know, and, 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 and thing, because when we were moving, we were having to sort through, you ever see too many things, you ever accumulate too many things, just move across town, you'll find out how much you've accumulated. Oh my goodness, we threw out so many things, but why in the world have we carried this around for 30 years? You know, I, I have no idea why. But in the process, you do find things that, like, you know, those seat coat boxes, and I came across pictures, and, and it's just so fun to remember eras, and, and, and so for some of these things, yeah, that's when I, yeah, Dean and I were, yeah, I was at Harvard then. You guys remember that when the Ivy League sweatshirts were in? Come on. I don't know why, but that's what we did. Let's go. All right, all right let's move along. All right, um, there's our wedding picture, and, and these are the more significant times when you remember, like, your wedding day. God bringing you together, and then your children. That's Taylor up in the left hand, up the left hand, and he's cute. Tori with her little umbrella. Judah and Zyra, children. And you think back, uh, these are the things that begin to rekindle God's goodness, God bringing us together as a married couple, God giving us the children that we have. And we had the opportunity the first week that we were gone to go back to our hometown um, in Cleveland, Tennessee. That's where Athena and I met, that's where we married. And when you go back, some of you guys grew up around here, so it's kind of a constant reminder when you drive by things that were there when you were kids. But when you're away from it and you go back, you drive by certain places and there's these surges of, of, of remembering. That church, for example, that church, you know, is very significant. That's where we met. We were in youth together. Um, we got married there. Um, now, the place that we got married is not even the church. They built a, a, a new sanctuary, but... That place has so many memories. That town, two of our four kids were born there. And you remember what God did. The spiritual things, those spiritual markers that are significant. That church, for example, was, there was a time when we were young married and, 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 and I think it was, it was pregnant with Tori. We had Taylor in our church. Uh, at that time, I was really wrestling with what God had for my life. Trying to figure things out. I was fighting a major battle spiritually uh, and, and, and just really trying to figure out as a young husband and father what was God saying. And that church called a time of prayer where they had different times, you know, early morning prayer, noon prayer, and evening prayer, whatever you could make. And people would just kind of come in and you would come and go as you please. And I felt like that I needed to do that. And I got up in the morning and, and it was a spiritual, spiritually significant marker and milestone in my life that I went to this early morning prayer just to get alone with God and, and how God began to stir in my heart the things that He was directing me to and calling into ministry and I didn't even know what that looked like, but meeting with God as a, as a young husband and young father to say, God, I want to be a godly husband. I want to be a godly father, and I want to know what that looks like, and I want to know what you are saying to me. And God met me there. And these spiritual things that were happening, because remembering, remembering is something that many times is ingrained to us. We, we want to remember anniversaries, or we hope to. We remember birthdays, right? The celebration of when somebody was born. 
we love to reminisce over good times. Sometimes, you know, and we have these, especially when we went home, but sometimes the best conversations begin with, do you, re- do you guys remember when, right? Sometimes we're talking about funny things that happen or significant things that happen. You guys ever had smell memory? You know what that is? You smell something and it will take you back to a time or a moment. You know, you'll smell something. Like, I remember, like my school in the second grade, and it smelled like that at the lunch, you know, whatever. And you're taken back. And so there's something powerful about remembering or perfume or cologne from the first day. You guys remember that? Just don't get that confused with the former girl from the boys. I mean, that's a bad move, you know. Honey, didn't you wear that? No, I didn't wear that. You know, that, that's just, yeah, yeah, don't go there. Smell memory. It's, it just, it makes us pause. It conjures up memory. And so it's, remembering is very important to us and, and it's also very important to God. And it's spiritually important. And if it's spiritually important to God, then the opposite is just forgetting is important to the enemy, Right? It's one of his tactics to try to get us from remembering what God did or what God said. He wants us to get focused on what maybe not happening or forget about the promises of God. Or get you focused on what you are not getting. This goes back to to the garden. Remember... Remember, remember when the enemy comes to Adam and Eve. What does he do? Okay, so sin. The idea when they when they when they partook of the tree that they weren't supposed to touch. What 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 led up to that? It was the enemy trying to get them to forget. Did God really say that? What is he doing? He's trying to make them doubt, make them forget. What God said, and that begins to stir in their hearts. Well, because He said, "Did God really say that?" And so all of a sudden, their remembering is getting a little bit gray. And well, maybe God didn't mean that. Maybe God didn't really say that. And he, so He's trying to affect remembering what God said. You know, and, and obviously we read that, and we would say, "Well, just say God told you." Remember, no, we remember what God said. But it wasn't just their problem. That was the original sin. But isn't it our problem? We'll be going in life, and sometimes you get into a hard circumstance, you get into a storm of life, and it's easy to forget, and the enemy is right there to make you forget God's goodness, and maybe God's not really good at all, and maybe make you forget God's promises, or that's something God said, or God did. He tries to get us to, to, to divert us away from God's promises. So remembering is powerful. And it's important to God. And it's interesting that throughout the Old Testament, when God would move on the behalf of, of His people at times, and we see it at different times, not every time, but there were times that they would, they would erect these stone pillars or, or a pile of stones. And that's why I have these up here today. These stones of remembrance, and there are several places in Scripture that God would intervene, He would do something, and He would say, I want you to erect stones 
to remember. It was a memorial. That's why we have memorials. Like when you, you know, if, you, if you've ever, if you've ever gone to places, and if you, you know, especially touristy places or places something significant happened, they will have a memorial. And, and it's saying, don't forget that. Don't forget that. World War II, 9-11, significant events in, in history. And what they're saying with the memorial is, don't forget that this happened to you. And God did the same thing. When God would move, when God would speak, when God would touch His people or intervene, He would say, erect these stones because the tendency is, is for you to forget. And these are going to serve as a reminder to what God did. So if someone asks you about them, you can tell them what God did. Remember what God has done. And so God knew it was important for his children to not forget, but a lot of times they would. Right? This is the up and down narrative of Israel. The people, they would serve God, they would love God, they would follow God, and then something would happen. They would forget God, they would go their own way, they would become their own God, they would end up in negative circumstances, they would cry out to Him, He would rescue them. Then they would, they would serve Him, then they would forget, right? It's not just their problem, isn't that our problem? It is our tendency to forget what God has done in His faithfulness. Think about the Exodus. Remember when God intervened and He was pulling the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, right? And He puts this line of demarcation between the people of Israel and, and, and Egypt. And these ten plagues come. Supernatural. I mean, they are seeing the hand of God in a very like dramatic, very miraculous way. And then the children of Israel come out of slavery. They go into the wilderness. And you would think, I mean, we, we can read it, and you, can, you would think they saw all of these things happen. They, the dramatic, the Red Sea party. I don't know about you, if you went out to the lake and it split and you were able to walk on the other side of the lake, that I, do you think you would forget that? But something happened as they got out into the wilderness, and what, what, would, what would happen to make them longingly look back and say, bondage and slavery was better than this? And they would forget. They saw miracles, plagues, divine intervention. Yet they got to the other side and they began to forget, then complain. Then they started worshiping idols. And a whole generation missed out on the promised land because of all of that. It's a heartbreaking story. And, and it serves to remind us, to help us to remember that God, help you not to get on the other side of what you have done and then forget. And then as the children of Israel look back at slavery, we look back at sin and say, well, my life of sin was better. And I missed because I was having more fun back then. Because sin is enjoyable for a season, but it will end in death. And that was the enemy. Forget God. Forget Him. Kind of a form of spiritual amnesia. So we're going to look at one of those stories actually after they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, Moses goes up to the mountain. He passed away. Joshua is the new leader, right? And so let's look at this scripture and we're going to look um, at one of those moments from Joshua 4 as he led the people of Israel in the, kind of the beginning of going into the promised land. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them to take twelve stones 
from the very place where the priest is standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place you will camp tonight. So kind of this idea, and they were probably bigger stones than this. So Joshua called together twelve men and chosen one from each of the tribes of Israel. Verse five. He told them, "Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one of the stones and carry it on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean?'" Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, what do these stones mean? Then you could tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant crossed. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. And there you have those words, remember, memorial. Let's go back, let's go back one. Um, we'll wait on that. But remind, memorial, to remember what God has done. And so again, these, these types of memorials happen several times in the Scripture, and it's good as a reminder, a rememberer to the things that God did. And then future generations will see and be reminded. This is, you will be reminded. It can stand as a conviction. Maybe you're going along the way, and, and one of them will come across, and, and maybe they're struggling spiritually, and they've walked away from God, and they can go by this, and they go, oh yeah, God is real. I remember, just like my my grand my, my great grandma, my grandpa, the story that God put the, the the Red Sea. He also did the same thing for the Jordan River. That reminds us that God is real. It serves as a conviction and a reminder because we need those times, especially when you're going through the hard times and you're 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 struggling and something. But yeah, but God is real. When the enemy is trying to fight you and to help you to forget, God is saying, "Remember my goodness." Remember my faithfulness. And so these rocks, and I was thinking about my own life, you know, and you know, the obvious ones is when, when I gave my heart to Jesus as a boy, and he and I understood his salvation and understood what Jesus did for me on the cross. And, and then you can look at other ones and say, this is the one where he gave me my wife, and I know God's real because he gave me the wife I had. She loved me in spite of my brokenness. That can only be God. And each one of these other ones can be my, my children, the children that God blessed us with. Or the time when God kept me safe, when Taylor was a baby and we hit a, a, a puddle in a car and we hydroplaned across four lanes of traffic, traffic and it just so happened that the, 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 the traffic, the oncoming traffic was stopped at a red light and we went from this, this one over here and I think about that where God kept me safe. Or the time when Tori was born and her foot was deformed and they put her in cast and she was miserable and I felt God prod me and we prayed for her and we anointed her with oil and I said, we're not putting the cast back on her. I cut the cast off and we took her to the doctor and he said, there's nothing wrong with your feet. I could go on and on where God did or God said. And some of those stones are significant when I was at a time of hurting. I was at a time of pain. And I was at a time where it felt like my prayers were hitting the ceiling. And you ever been there where it feels like God's not listening at all? And sometimes those stones are there because it was in those moments where there was a deep inside me somewhere I knew that God was authentic. 
even though I couldn't hear him, even though he didn't answer the prayer like I thought he would answer. Even when I was frustrated with him, I knew that he was real. And I could have easily just said, forget it, and, and, and God, by this grace, kept me. And each of you have those stones. I encourage you to remember what God did and what God said. And sometimes even God, like I said, when, when we were in Tennessee and we knew by God's grace that we were there, but it was it, it was just an awful season for our lives. And I was praying, and you guys have heard me say that, I was looking for answers, and, and all I got was God's nearness. And that was the very thing that God was trying to speak. I was, I was wanting specific answers, and I just didn't feel like I was getting anything, but His presence was real to me in a time of pain and heartache. I look back and he was there all along. And so quickly, why does God want us to remember? Let's go to the next one. Why does God, first of all, remembering God's faithfulness from the past allows us to trust Him in the present, right? And so we're going we're gonna to unpack that scripture in a moment, but here's a little context. This is Deuteronomy chapter 7 before we get right into the scripture. This is Moses who's speaking for the last time, okay? He has led Israel. God says he cannot go because of his own disobedience. He cannot go into the promised land. But he's about to go up to the mountain. They will never see him again. And they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They're about to, again, they are about to go in the promised land, that generation. And it's his farewell speech. And so there's one little problem. There, in, the, in the promised land, there's already people that are inhabiting that place that God said that was theirs. And so they are concerned. Remember, Joshua sends 12 spies and two come back and say, we can do it. Other 10 are what? They're fearful. Right? So there are people in there. There are giants there. It is a bad place. And they begin to infect fear. Who, who were the two that had a good report? Joshua and Caleb. Can you name the other 10? Right. I'm waiting for some scholar one day that's just start naming them off. I'm going to ask understand what I'm saying. We remember those with a good reporter. And so this is what Moses tells you. He says, you may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? So we're going to pick it up in verse 18. It says, but don't be afraid of them. Here's Moses saying, do not be afraid of them. Just what? Say it aloud. Say it again. Just remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all the land of Egypt. Verse 19, he says, What? The great terror the Lord your God sent against you, you saw it with your own eyes, and you're helping me now. The miraculous signs and wonders and strong hand and power on which he brought you out of Egypt. Remember, remember, remember when you're going in and there are giants in the land, don't be afraid of them. Remember your God. Remember God. So what is it that you need to remember? What are the memorial stones in your life? Maybe it's time when God, maybe it's a time when God moved mightily in your life and you knew it could only be God. It was more than just coincidence. Maybe it was a time that was more subtle, but you knew that there was something going on significant. When God brought you peace in the storm, when God brought you confidence, when you shouldn't have had confidence. And maybe there was a negative circumstance again where I remember a time where I lost a job and it was just like I had the peace of God. They were doing layoffs and it was like, why would I have peace? Everybody else is stressed. But I knew God was there. 
gives us confidence, allows us to trust Him, to trust Him that He hears us. I don't get it, but I know God is real. I don't continue to walk in doubt and fear because God was real. And sometimes it's those memorial stones that say, God, help me in this present time to trust you. And I know that you're real because of this. And the enemy wants us to forget, right? Notice how the enemy wants you to forget all the good things, but remember all the bad things. He's good at wanting you to remember, too. That's where shame and condemnation and guilt, where we continue to walk in the same maybe mistakes or failures or sins of the past. And the enemy's always right there to make sure that you remember where you are at. And that's the word that we got this morning. If God wants us to walk away and says, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. That's what Paul said. And there is a divine forgetting, too, when we remember what God did. And this is what Paul said in Philippians 3. He says, this one thing I do, I forget what lies behind me. Because he was a part of rounding Christians up and persecuting them, having them killed. And he said, he could have walked in a lot of shame. But he says, this is one, I, one thing I do. I forget what lies behind. And I press forward to that which God has taken hold of me. And I'm going to press forward because there is a destiny and a promise for my life. And I know that God has a plan and purpose for my life. It doesn't matter what happened in the past, the shame of the past, the brokenness of the past, the dysfunction of the past. I am pressing forward to that which God has called me. So I will forget those things that are not of God, and I will remember what God did. Secondly, let's go to the next one. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past directs our actions in the future. Everybody knows the story or familiar with David and Goliath, right? From 1 Samuel 17, it's one of my absolute favorite stories in the Bible. All the warriors are like, we love this story. The teenage guy that takes out the giant that's about 9 feet 9 inches tall. But there's something significant in that story about remembering how it directs our actions toward the future. Remembering gave David a confident hope and trust to what was in front of him. So you guys know the story, you know, that the Israel Israel versus the Philistines. They are, you know, both armies are on, you know, two sides, one's on one mountain, one's on the other. There's this valley, and the Philistine giant Goliath comes out in the middle of the issue this challenge. And they're trying to make it, you know, instead of us all killing each other, let's pick one warrior from you and one warrior from us. Of course, they, they were kind of smart about this. Here's a seasoned warrior who's nine feet, nine inches tall. You guys pick somebody, we pick somebody. You know, and everyone's like, yeah, right, you know, we're going one-on-one. It's more like one-on-five. You make up for like five people. You guys pick one, and all of Israel is terrified. It's afraid. I mean, and so nobody's making a move, and he's issuing this challenge, and he's defying God, and he's like, who's God? I mean, you're God. I mean, look at you guys. You're fearful. Who's this God? And he's defying them and defying the nation. Well, then David, who is a shepherd boy from, you know, he's not old enough to be in the army yet, so he's coming from dad and he's giving his brother some food and, you know, bringing the commander, and he happens to be there one of those days, you know, and then Goliath is issuing his captains. And so David is just kind of mad about this. He, here's a kid who is a, he's a worshiper. As he's sitting in front of the he is he's just alone with God and he loves God and he knows who God is. And here's the challenge. And he's like, wait a second, nobody fought this guy yet? And they're all like, yeah, yeah, you know, you're, you're a confident little boy. Remember when you were a teenager, you, you felt like you could do anything? 
There was a divine moment here for, 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 for David. You know, he's like, wait a second. Somebody should find I'll find him. And of course, he's probably laughing, and his, you know, his oldest brother is like, you know, why don't you go home here? You know, here's this girl, crazy cat himself, and he's like rebuking David. like, well, you're not doing anything. All of a sudden, you're brave to me. Why don't you go fight the guy? And so David, you know, goes to Saul, and, 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 and you know, you, you guys know the story, but let's pick that up. So that's, that's kind of context. David says, don't worry about this Philistine. So he's, you know, he's kind of debating with Saul, because Saul's like, you know, you don't have a chance. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul says. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Of course, 1990, he's like born a warrior. But David persisted, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal land from the flock, Verse 35, so I go after it with a club. Okay, that's not normal, right? And rescue the lamb from the trough. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. That is a shepherd right there, man, I'm telling you. He said, I've done this to both lions and bears. I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine, for he has defied the armies of living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistines. So what is he doing? He's remembering. He understands that in his strength that he can't fight a lion and a bear on his own. There was something supernatural that happened when he... And he's remembering that. And so he's not even... He's not saying, this is not about my might or my strength or how awesome I am. I happen to know God and I happen to walk with God. And I really believe that God is a supernatural God that can intervene and give me supernatural strength. It's not about me, it's about God. And so when everyone else is looking at the giant God, David was looking at God the whole time. Yeah, he's nine feet, nine inches tall. What does that compare to the living God? And so he's remembering when God gave him supernatural strength and he's saying, I can do that. God had been faithful. And because of God's faithfulness, it helped him to have hope and courage and faith for the battle that was in front of him. And so remembering God's faithfulness of the past, it helps direct your actions to what is in front of you. Again, maybe it's a challenge. Maybe it's a job related. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's a hard circumstance. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's whatever it is. Maybe it's a new season that God's calling you into. And you're a little bit fearful about maybe taking a step of faith. Remember what God has done. So, as David didn't look at himself, look at God. It's not about us, right? It's about God. It's about Jesus and His glory. And victory could be on the other side of your step of faith. Believing God for the impossible. So those are two reasons why we should remember. And I encourage you to, and I need to be better about this too, but important things that we should do in remembering God's faithful, number one, write it down. My wife is very good about writing things down. She journals, and I journal very little. But it's good to write it down, because sometimes you come across things, and, 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 and I'll tell you, when things are written down, it helps encourage you. When we were, again, when we were going through things, I went through our keepsake box and I came across some letters and stuff that were written to me at this retreat and they, they had people write me letters and I was reading a few of the words that people spoke into my life at a very significant time. What people saw in me, what people, you know, spiritually saw in me. And I'm like, man, I forgot that they said that. I forgot about that. 
It's good to see that again. To remember it. And then the next one is write it down, but tell someone. That's the, that's the family accountability, is to tell someone what God has done. I tell you, there have been significant times when my wife has said to me, when we were going through something, but she goes, but remember when God did this? And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. God was faithful, and this is difficult, but remember when God... And I said, I had forgotten. Telling others is, again, it's accountability. That's what he says. He tells, this, these, these memorial stones, you tell each other. Remember when somebody goes, what was that? What was that? This is when God did this. This is when God said that. And in spite of what's going on right now, I know God's real because of that. And as we close our time together today, we're going to we're going to close with communion because I want to, at this point, and closing is talk about the greatest reminder of all time: is the cross. <coughs> this is the greatest moment of remembering that all of us should pause and grab hold of every single day. The place of salvation, the place of redemption, the place where Jesus displayed His love for us. And again, no matter what the world or culture tries to make Christianity, that it's, you know, it's, it's a bunch of angry, judgmental, and whatever it is, and it's hypocrisy, and, and so I say, yes, and amen to all of it. It's a bunch of broken people that are trying to follow Jesus. But let the cross remind you and help you remember God's love for you. While we were yet sinners, this is love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe you're here today and you're having a hard time finding any stone of remembering when God was real. Well, let today be your first stone. And let it be that, that the significance of remembering the cross of Christ let that be maybe your first visit. It needs to be the foundation stone of all of our lives. And that's why when we take communion, when we do this, we are, we are actually, the church, is, we're told to do this over and over. Jesus instituted and Paul says, I, I, I pass on you. So it was not just a Jewish thing where they were remembering the Passover. And that's why, that's why they, when, when we call it communion, they were remembering the Passover. God rescuing his people out of bondage. And isn't it interesting that Jesus would become the Passover lamb that rescues us out of the bondage of sin? And so the Jews, when they took, took the Passover, they would say, remember when God did this. And you're supposed to do this generation to generation. And then Paul took it, and he told it to the Gentiles who were not Jews, and he said, yeah, this is way more significant than even the evil thing. Now, that was significant, but the, the greater significance is that Jesus was a Passover lamb that gave up his life because he loved us to rescue us from sin. How awesome is that? And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, do this over and over. Proclaim this until the Lord returns. Proclaim his death until he returns. And so that's why as a church, we, we as a sacrament, we call a sacrament that we do this on a regular basis. But don't lose the significance of power. Maybe you grew up taking communion. Maybe you've done it a lot. And sometimes, you know, we can just get into this mechanical thing where we take the bread, take the juice, and that's what we're done with it. Guys, this is really to remember the cross, to remember the love of God, and remember that there is no way to deny salvation except for what Jesus did. So why we take it as a symbol of remembering 
And the night he was betrayed, you know, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, "What's about to happen?" And you know, they again, the disciples were they weren't they didn't completely understand that he was getting ready to go down. He had talked about dying, and they were not sure of all that. This is my body broken for you. There's no other way for salvation except through what Christ did. He broke it and he said, when you see my body broken, remember. Remember me. That's what he said. Remember me. And he held it up to the Father and he blessed it and he broke it and this is my body. Remember me. As often as you eat it, don't forget. Do not forget. And so if you have nothing else to hang on to, if you are in the hardest circumstance of your life, if you have nothing else to hang on to except the cross of Christ, that is enough. God, I may have nothing. I may have lost everything, but I have you, and that is enough. You are worth it. And he said, when you take the cup and you drink it, remember, remember the blood that was shed for you. That without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. We're told in Scripture, something has to die. And back in the Old Testament, you know, they would kill and sacrifice animals at the altar because the, because. Because of sin, something died. And so Jesus became the one who for all in, and nothing else would have to die. The Lamb of God stepped into our world and he dies on the cross, sheds his blood for us. And then he invites us into relationship, unconditional surrender, and say, I give you my life. But what he did was when you drink of the cup, remember me. He says that a couple times, remember me. Remember, there's power in remembering. It's the greatest and significant thing that we must. Remember as believers. Don't ever forget what he's done. So as we close today, we're going to take communion. Again, uh, the elements on this side, if, if, if you guys come down and uh, receive the, the elements here, this side, if you receive the elements here, and you can, in a moment, I'm going to pray, and, and you can come as you feel led. And we'll just have the lights off, and you can be dismissed afterwards. You don't have to uh, stick around unless you want to. You can sit before the Lord as you like. Um, but uh, what we ask is like to take the fellowshipping and the talking out into the foyer and just just kind of have the sanctuary as a, as a place to you know, reflect and remember what God has done. And so will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for today. Thank you, God. Help us to remember the things that you've done, the things that you accept, Lord God, the, the moments for you to real, the moments maybe where, where you felt this and we, we, we knew in our heart that you were real. And Lord, I pray that we would never forget the things that you've done. Lord, I pray that we were a- are able, by the sovereign grace of God, to forget what lies behind and forget the shame, condemnation, sin of our past, and remember your goodness. Jesus, give us a revival of remembering today of the things that you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. And Lord, as we today receive communion. Lord, I pray it would be done in a way, Lord, that we, it, would be a, it would be a moment of worship. It would be a moment where we where look at our hearts. And Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11. He said, don't just take communion in a very light way. He said, this is a very sobering moment. He said, you should examine your heart. And that's why I encourage you to do is to examine your heart. And Lord, forgive us for our sins. Help us to be right before you. Help us to remember and worship you. Help us to never forget the cross of Christ you love for us. And so, Lord, we take it with grace, we take it with mercy, and we take it with thankfulness. We love you in Jesus' name.